0: Goodness gracious, scorekeepers, it's us, we, <laughs> we're back. It is time for another episode of The Score, your favorite podcast, all about classical music, opera, pop culture, seen from the perspective of three Black queer arts administrators. As always, I am Rocky and I'm here with my two fabulous co-host the wonderful dr lee bynum hello dr lee bynum
1: by the numbers huh is it is it catching Uh, on yet
0: oh okay (laughs) i see what you're doing i'm there there. all right cool
1: cool (laughs) thought i'd bring Um, that one back
0: (laughs) yeah what was didn't we come up with a better one
1: you came up with that one, so I thought you'd like it. Did I? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you
2: did. That was you. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> well then I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I think it's beautiful. My my crops are are growing. My acne is healed. Thank you for that. Um and of course. Amazing, wonderful, luminous, beautiful Paige Reynolds, aka Iyawa Inawale. Hello.
3: Hello. Did you have a
0: happy birthday?
3: I had a happy, joyful, juicy birthday. Ooh, it was, juicy. yes. Yes,
0: Ooh, honey. what made your birthday so juicy?
3: Uh... Uh okay. Well- okay, TMI. We have a we have a rating to maintain.
0: Okay, okay. I should have known. I thought it was I, Okay, I thought we were going in a different direction, but okay. <laughs>
3: I mean, uh, the the PG version, you know, spent, had a great time with my friends, with my partners. Uh, I went hiking. I went to dinner. Uh, We watched a movie, one of my favorites, Daughters of the Dust. Oh, Um, I love that movie. Yes. And it was a couple people's first time seeing it. So I just, I'd love that I got to show that to them. Um, And yeah, it was lovely. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Yay. Yay. Hey. How was yours, Rocky? How did it you was, celebrate?
0: It was very low-key, which uh-huh. I appreciated. And I got to hear from all of my favorite people, oh, which is yeah. really lovely. And we just sort of hung out. Um, And we brought the tree up from upstairs. And we started to decorate and... Then we went out and we had a very nice dinner, um, but then it was snowing. So we were just like, mm, let's not, <laughs> let's not risk our lives on these roads. <laughs> <laughs> so we went home and, well, I we don't need to talk about juiciness, um, but <laughs> but it was very nice. We had a... <laughs> it was very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a great birthday.
3: Great birthday.
0: Um, insanity.
3: It sounds like we had good, like, um, Sagittarian introvert birthdays. Yeah, right, you know. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is the most wonderful time of the year, not just because it's sad season, but <laughs> the holidays are upon us. So, do you all have any big holiday end of year plans?
3: Hmm. Are any traditions? You know, I actually, I I have uh, today. This year is going to be very untraditional. Oh. Um, and I'm 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 going to drop this little juicy nugget on on <laughs> the
2: podcast. <laughs> so much
3: juice? <laughs> that I'm doing for the holidays. So. I, uh, because I'm pretty sure my parents and my little sister don't listen to this show, I can Mm. say this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sending them like a really funny like postcard, uh, like Christmas card. Of uh, you know, like corny like 90s, like mall photo
2: shoes.
3: Oh <laughs> where like people are like it all in like matching denim, or like you have like shots, the yeah, the super Penny. soft focus. Yeah, yeah, it's giving JCPenney. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely the Sears photo section. Yes, absolutely that. Um, I'm gonna send them one of those uh from me and my partners, plural uh and our dog oh and again they don't listen to this show and this is a you know special for scorekeepers you know (laughs) this will be me uh telling them my way of telling them that I am polyamorous and uh oh wow that you know we have this we have this beautiful little um queer family doing (laughs) it family unit now so Yay! that's gonna be it's gonna be like a little surprise a funny way of <laughs> telling them about that um and it's I funny love because that. congratulations so
0: thank <laughs> you, that's, that's cute
3: Thank you. And I, I feel open about it here because I'm also open on social media about like mm-hmm. my love life and things like that. But my parents ain't really on there. You know, I haven't fully <laughs> explained what it means to be non-binary or that I have a partner who is a man and one who is non-binary. And yes, I am poly. Yes, they are both my partners. And, you know, all of that. It's It's interesting when you're open with the world about those things, but you have this older generation that's not on social media mm-hmm. and not listening to your podcast and Mm -hmm. things like that so this is going to be like a cute way of fully explaining
0: (laughs) what's going on may i make a suggestion yeah on the card have a poly jolly christmas
3: (laughs) yeah i know
0: it's better than by the numbers
3: rocky you snapped i just snapped you just
0: what can i say wow <laughs> wow i think that's also wow. going to be the episode title
3: what a brain you have Yo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm writing it down right now <laughs> Trolley.
0: Trolley. <laughs> <It's wet>. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's wonderful lee do you have any anything special going on
1: um it is going to require quite a bit of negotiation and planning to pull off as every year because our our goal is usually to see both families and then do it in such a way that still provides a little bit of time to to see no one's family (laughs) um so we're trying (laughs) to figure out how to run all over the country in the span of like five days um and then still have time to come back here and like do nothing for a couple of days and it is it gets more complicated every year um with other members of the family traveling um seeing their in-laws and doing all kinds of things and there's a family wedding on my mom's side in paris this year so it's making it even yeah right (laughs) (laughs) but it's making it even more complicated to figure out how we see everybody so hopefully this time next week we will actually have a plan that probably involves like you know three different cities in in 5 days and then coming back here and i am exhausted just thinking about it but yeah. you know it's christmas and you you want to see everybody you want to see and that is definitely the place where we are but but yeah i would i would love a year i was about to say i would love a year of not having to do anything but i think that was what the pandemic was right like <laughs> actually stuck at home <laughs> And I did not like that. Um, yeah. I'm just, yeah. End of the year. It's just catching up to me. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I've actually decided to go ahead and do that. Cause I usually do the same thing mm-hmm. that you do. Like I, I call it my annual East Coast tour and I start <laughs> in New York and I make my way down the Eastern Seaboard. Mm-hmm. Um like a hurricane moving like anymore, a hurricane. So like... <laughs> <laughs> um and I just decided that I don't want to do that this year. That I want to I I want to go do that in the spring when it's yeah. nice and the cherry blossoms are out and <laughs> and <laughs> and I can go and like actually like be outside and enjoy the weather with the people that I love. Instead of being, like, inside in some snowy, cold hellscape. And (laughs) (laughs) and my parents, you know, my family, we don't have, like, huge holiday traditions. So it just kind of feels like, you know what? Let's just wait until the weather is reasonable. And it can be, like, a much more pleasant experience. And I'm just going to stay here. And just enjoy the holidays with my man and my cat <laughs> and mm. just like chill and just rest. Cause if you getting three colds in one month uh, is any indication, oh, goodness. apologies if my voice sounds crazy. Um, I need some time to rest. <laughs> 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 and the yeah. thought of, you know, Penn Station and New Jersey Transit and Amtrak, nope. no. No, I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, you're <laughs> you... killing me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Protect your peace. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, whatever you all are doing um, this year, whether you're spending time with loved ones or you're pursuing a passion or you're just taking some time like me to rest, um, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season um, and a very, very happy new year um we've got a great show coming up for you today um we've got robert mack coming up who is a um a wonderful singer um a teacher um one of the co-founders of opera noir um he's on to talk about all of those things and we will be right back (laughs)
1: We're back. Everyone, we have a very, very special guest with us today, and I am very excited to introduce you to Robert Mack. Thank you for being with us today, Robert. Woohoo! Thank you for yeah. having me. I Appreciate
4: it. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Absolutely. And just to share a little bit with our audience about who you are, I will talk a little bit about your extensive bio. Mr. Mack has received glorious reviews for his powerful but sweet lyric tenor voice. He recently performed the role of Emmett in the opera Emmett Till by composer Mary Watkins in the American opera Emmett Till. Mr. Mack was presented in concert with Greensboro Opera and performed the role of Sport and Life in Porgy and Bess with the same company. A former member of the critically acclaimed Three Mo Tenors and the American Spiritual Ensemble. With Pittsburgh Opera, he sung in The Summer King, the opera that explores the life of Josh Gibson, the role of Remus in Trimonesia with the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra. Basilio in The Marriage of Figaro and Ferrando in Cossifantutti with Opera Carolina and Opera Grand Rapids. Elijah in Street in the Opera Malcolm X with New York City Opera and The Role of Sport and Life in Porgy and with Toledo Opera, Springfield Symphony, Traverse City Symphony, New York City Opera, Margaret Island Open Air Opera Theater in Budapest and the Danish Opera robert also played bartel darcy in the dead 1904 alongside melissa gilbert with the irish repertory theater he has performed principal roles in houston grand opera new york city opera nashville opera opera carolina opera company of philadelphia indianapolis opera the paris bastille teatro real in spain the royal danish theater Palacio de Bellas Artes in Mexico City, as well as being on the roster of the Metropolitan Opera. He performed tenor solos with the Collegiate Chorale and the Alvin Ailey American Dance Company in Revelations and performed in Spoleto Festival's premiere of Amistad, where the critics made mention of his very solid performance. He also performed in both the national and international tours of Smokey Joe's Cafe. He can be heard on Decca Records, Paragon Records, KSW Music, in addition to being the artistic and general director of Opera Noire International and an adjunct professor of voice at North Carolina Central University. Take a breath, everybody. That is quite a bio. Thank you so much, Robert, for taking time out this morning. Um, It is incredible to have you here. And we have so many questions for you about how your career has gone and what your perspectives on the industry are. So if we could, I'd love to hear just a little bit about um, Opera Noir International and how it came to be and a little bit about what your work is. I, I know our listeners will be very interested in that.
4: Sure. first of all I have to reading that you reading that bio who is that guy? <laughs> <Who> is that? <laughs> I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. I have to in in a very humble way I have to say um when someone asks for your bio it, it's really for me it's a very humbling thing to do because you work. We artists we work and we just do the work and we just go from one thing to the next. And it's not until someone asks you for a CV or for a bio that you look back and you just go, I don't know that guy, I couldn't <laughs> have done those things, <laughs> but I will receive it, <laughs> I will receive <laughs> it. But in, in particular to Opera Noir, which is the company started as Opera Noir of New York that was our name, and in the, in the last three years, the name has been changed to Opera Noir International, and I'll get into the reason for that. But we started back in 2005, believe mm, it or not. Wow. Uh, me and two other uh, inspiring opera singer which is now you probably know kenneth overton mm-hmm. as well as um baron coleman
2: mm-hmm.
4: we all started this company together as three young men looking to see more african americans on stage and and behind the scenes and um, we actually started and i can't go without mentioning this company we started in the home of opera ebony mm-hmm. you know that company was run by Ben Matthews as well as Wayne Saunders, the late great Ben Matthews, but Wayne Saunders is still running the company. And how it happened is that we were at a masterclass that Ben Matthew was hosting uh, through Opera Ebony with a German company. And at the end of that masterclass, I had already had great friends with them as well as um, the other two guys were friends with them. Ben Matthew says to us, we went up to him and said, you know, this was a great masterclass. Would you do another one? We would love to hear more from you guys and your careers and what you've done. It was so inspirational. And what Ben Matthew said to the three of us, we just happened to be there together. Um, he said, you know, it's time for you guys to take up the mantle and run mm-hmm. with it. And, you know, we took that and just went on about our business, wound up going up to Going out to dinner, the three of us and maybe a couple of other guys and said, what do you think Ben Matthews meant by that? Do you think he mean for us to run their company or should we be starting our own company, you know, because these are generations between us, you know, their ages. And um, long story short, we took it as they wanted us to start something, and so we did. We galvanized, got together, and we held our first set of master classes in their apartment. <laughs> and we weren't really sure what we was doing. We just called some friends <laughs> about, "Hey, you want to come to a master class? Um, we don't have a host yet, but you want to get together <laughs> and talk about the business?" And I think one of our first hosts. Was maybe Willie Anthony Waters, the former artistic and general, artistic director and general manager of Connecticut Opera, and um, he said, "Sure, I'll come and do it." And next thing you know, we had a master class every month, and we just called on people who cared, like Martina Arroyo, mm-hmm. like Hilda Harris.
2: Mm-hmm. Once
4: again, Willie uh, Anthony Waters. Wayne Saunders, Ben Matthews, we just called them people who we had a relationship with. And it was Martina Arroyo at the end of 12 months. She said to us, She said, Why don't you guys put on a concert to show what you have learned, you know, throughout this whole year of holding these masterclasses? Honestly, honestly we didn't even have a name yet at that point. We were just gathering. just getting together supporting one another and covering things from a to z how do you walk into we had we had our master classes on how do you walk into an audition how do you leave the audition how do you deal with your taxes how do you come to new york and be a young artist so it wasn't always just about the singing of course we covered things like had master classes on diction master classes on, on you know your arias or whatever the case may be but what we did we took that and we said sure let's put on a concert and i kid you not that first concert we did had over 400 people. This is before, oh. you know, all this Facebook and uh Twitter and all these things like that. Maybe Facebook was out. I can't remember, to be honest with you. I don't think so. <laughs> but this was word of mouth. This was word of mouth. Sending out cards, even cards in barbershops, you know, flyers in barbershops, the hair salons, schools, the colleges talking to friends and saying, hey, we're just these young guys, we're going to put on a concert of opera singers now in New York. You know, we weren't saying rap, we weren't singing gospel, we weren't singing all the other stuff that we all do so well, Broadway, but we were talking about just all African American opera singers, and we pulled them together, called some of other colleagues that we knew and said, hey, would you want to do a concert with us? Hey, would you like to take the aria that you did in the master class and do on this concert? And I kid you not, from that, we said, we got something here. We really do. So we said, let's get a name. Came up with a name. Let's get a board. Came up with a board. <laughs> hey, we said, let's do it all right. You know, let's get, you know, president, secretary, you know, treasurer, get aboard, the whole now we wanted to really get into it and each one of us took what we did best, we all were singers, but you know you have other things in your life, like Kenneth Overton was very good with repertoire, Barron was good with finance. I was good with relationships that I had with all these co- opera companies I had worked for. So I was able to, we all did, but I was able to call on people from these opera companies, directors, you know, artistic directors, stage directors, costumes designers, and said, hey, would you come and do a master class just on costuming? You know, because all those things you're not going to necessarily get in the school. You you understand what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? No one really tells you how to prepare your taxes. You're out there and you swimming. (laughs) You know, (laughs) trying to find trying to find a way. Absolutely. Not everyone, (laughs) yeah. Not everyone tells you how to walk into an audition and how to walk out of that audition. No Mm -hmm. one tells you go over to the pianist and get that two minute, two one second relationship with that pianist. So you two are one by the time you sing in front of that pa- that panel, all those things really matter. And it shows, being now someone who's set on the panel, it shows, it really shows who's had that experience and who doesn't. And so it was great for Opera Noir to supply that to these young artists, even ourselves the master classes I learned from too. So getting back to Ho in the Wall, how we started from 2005 we just said let's become something more than master classes. Let's be a resource center. Let's be an artistic company. Let's be educators. And our whole mission was to get out there and bring young aspiring African American artists to the stage so that we can see more of them and it not just be us on the stage doing it. So I, that's how we started and it's been going since. And we have collaborated with other opera companies. We have given out scholarships. We have helped people with their rent. You know, all those, <laughs> mm. all those things that make mm. a difference in some young inspiring kid that comes to New York you know, and then having an the opportunity to collaborate with Opera Carolina, to put on a full production with Opera Carolina, to put on a full production with New York, the New York City Opera. I mean, those things were major. And then what happened, then this was the real blessing for me, then other opera companies started calling us, hey, could you help us mm-hmm. cast this production of this? Because we know you know all the Mm -hmm. African-American singers. Now we didn't, but we sure said, yeah. Oh yeah, we we, we, (laughs) did. Of of course, I know every African-American singer out here. (laughs) Of course I did not, but through that, I knew a lot of them. I knew who was doing what. I knew who was just graduating college. I knew who just won you know, the Met competition or, you know, different things like that. We were, between the three of us, we were on top of those things. And then as the name got bigger, then even the artists called us, the young, inspiring artists, hey, I'm coming to New York. Can you help me with this? Can you help me find an apartment? Can you help me navigate my way through this thing? Call being a young artist. So there's a lot of things we did that's not necessarily on paper, but we became, it falls under to me, being a resource, hmm. being a helper, being a guide, being an inspiration. And you know, I just think is one of the best things that God has put upon me. And now the company is called Opera Noir International. In the last three years, due to, uh, this is the way I say this, I couldn't have gotten through this business without other cultures. Let's be real about it. Mm. You know, all the african American there were not too many African-American opera singers on the board. I mean, African-Americans on the board, African-Americans in artistic leadership or general managers of opera companies. So who was hiring me? White folks. Mm -hmm. Now, do I turn my back on the people who helped me along the way, who gave me an opportunity, who helped put me on that stage? That's not who I am. That's just not who my mother raised. And so in the last three years, as I thought about the company and Baron and Kenneth had moved on to other things and I was left running the company myself. Well, you know, there's ups and downs to that because everything is on your back, but also you get to make a decision what you want the company to look like, what you want it to sound like, you know, you understand. And I thought in this world, no one makes it with just one culture. Believe it, no one. You're not gonna live in this world and you're not gonna be able to call uh, another African-American, a Hispanic. uh, uh, any, Any, there are all kinds of cultures out here and we make up this beautiful thing called living. You understand? And so I thought the company needed to be named something different and international was the name I came up with. Now, what that means, and I liken this to like Oprah. If you remember in the day, some of you look very young. Let me say, you know, I'm older than a few of you. Probably all of you. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, when Oprah came out, it was really popular. She got a lot of feedback and critique from men who said the show, oh, I don't watch Oprah. The show is about women. You know, and I remember Oprah responding in the few interviews she gave back then. She said, the Oprah, the show is not about women. The focus is women at that time. Up in the is not just about African-Americans. The focus is African-Americans because we have had directors, We've had all kinds of people do things for and with Opera Noir. So it couldn't just be a company that's just for African-Americans. Now, that's a beautiful thing. Trust me. I love my people. But we're not going to make it just on our own. That's the way I see it. And so now the company still thrives. still thriving, still I think. Now, since the company has changed its name, I am a, what you call a slow cooker. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Like I took the website down, got a different accountant, mm-hmm. got everything different. And now I'm just building a company back up. Still, we have done some productions because we did this um, Emmett Till earlier this year, which was a great success in New York, came with some opposition. If you heard about it or not, if you want to go into that, we can go into that later whatever. But, um, the company is still going,
0: that's beautiful. Congratulations, mm-hmm. seriously. Yeah, I mean, you know, that you. 2005 is 17 years of hard work and amazing artists that have come through this program. You should be so proud. Um, so, and just so proud. and the way that the story of just the way that you've taken all of these young artists under your wing and mentored them is so beautiful. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about you and your background. You know, how did you find your way to opera? You know, did you grow up listening to opera? Did you have a a musical family? And as you were going through, did you have mentors, especially mentors of color or black mentors um, to help you along the way, um, the way that you're mentoring these young artists?
4: Well, sure. I started in, I come from a musical family. My mother was a gospel singer in South Carolina. That's where my family's from. And um, although she didn't go into it as a career, she was well known in her area in the South as well as in New Jersey for singing gospel. She got called upon a lot to sing at different churches because she had this Big robust voice. Oh my god. It was <laughs> I love my mom's voice. It was glorious. It had to me it had a bit of Bahelia Jackson in it. It had a bit of um let's say Anne Nesby today because she had that growl, but she had the sweet lyrical voice. And um I grew up under her, just under her. I was wow. the youngest child of course spoiled so every move <laughs> she made I made <laughs> so I stuck, I stuck under her a lot and traveled with her so you know the, so the music was around me and then I come from a family of singers my mom had four uh, male siblings and then she had eight female siblings so there were nine girls and four boys, 13 kids, and they all sang, and they had a gospel group in the South. So they traveled as family members, siblings, singing around Columbia, Lawrence, South Carolina. So music was always around me. And then my mother and father, they nurtured it for me. Just about all my schools were music. I went to a Chad school, the Chad School in Newark, New Jersey. That's an elementary, and they teach you the arts. And then I went to a Performing Arts High School, which is Arts High School in uh, Newark, New Jersey. And I went to college for music. I first went to a conservatory in South Dakota. Why uh, I just went there? South Dakota. That story. (laughs) I know. I I, I was trying to run away. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Go where I nobody trying... can find you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to run away. <laughs> but then I came back to you know attended Manis College of Music in New York. But believe it or not, then I became a manager at Prudential Insurance Company because I honestly, to be very frank with you, while I was at Manis, I was like, wow, these people really can sing, it was my own insecurity. I felt like being in New York can do that to you. You gotta be strong when you come to New York for sure. And I had been away from New York for quite some time. And um, so after three years in South Dakota, I came back and you know people of my contemporaries they were really doing it and doing the young artists programs and all this other kind of stuff like that, I said, you know what I think I want to do something where I got a check coming in every week. And uh, long story short I became just a what entry level person at um, Prudential insurance company just doing some type of encoding answering the phone within that first year. They asked me to be a supervisor. Within that six months after that, they asked me to be a manager. So this was going nice. I was like, oh, this is, I'm living now, getting the things I want, house, car, you know, all those kind of things like that. Nice apartment, nice home, you know, things. And so I was dating someone and they said, you know, you spent a lot of time at Prudential and you moved up fast in Prudential. And here you are singing at nightclubs because I started doing cabaret stuff because I never left music. I just didn't have it as a profession. It wasn't my money earner, if you will. And um, so he was like, you know, you put all this energy here. I bet if you give some of this energy to the music industry, you will soar. Those are the words he used. And so I was like, I can't leave my job. My sister and I had just got a home together. (laughs) I I was like, my parents would kill me if I go off into this la-la world called music. Even though they, oh, but I did. I did. I just left. No job. No Nothing. I kid you not
0: wow that's
4: brave. a month and a half um I, I know a month and a half our friend and i went to go see just about everything that was on broadway he was like i want you to go see every show he had the insight that I, I will forever love him for this actually he said you need to emerge yourself into music he said it needs to be 24 seven So we went from one Broadway show to the next, could you not? And it was tapping me on my shoulder, just go to an audition. Because I was even afraid to, I was like, ah, I'm not doing any auditions. No, I'll just, you know, still go see some shows for free. (laughs) 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 And so uh, I saw in the paper, this is when they had backstage, remember backstage? Once again, I don't know if you guys remember these things, but mm-hmm. there used to be the physical paper backstage, mm-hmm. and there was an audition for a Houston Grand Opera production of Porgy and Bess. And it said, You can sing an aria, you can sing a spiritual, or you can sing, um, what is that, a Broadway tune? I was like, Okay, I got a spiritual in my pocket. I could sing an aria, but I haven't done that in a while. So I said, let me go in there and sing a spiritual. Went in there. The audition was at Juilliard, I think. I was even afraid. I was like, ooh, I'm walking in Juilliard. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, all of this is like big, because I had not been in that world. I was at Prudential for five and a half years. So I had not really been in that world. And I did the audition, I got it. And I was like, well, and I got a role, not just, cause I was like, oh, they'll probably put me in the ensemble, you know? <laughs> and I and I got the role of Mingo at the time. And I was like, whoa, this, cause they called me as I walked out the audition. Now, you know, this doesn't usually happen. I walked out of the audition, I was walking downstairs and then they asked me, were you, do you have something Whatever date it was, of course. Let me check my calendar. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I will call you back once I get home. Knowing I had no musical gig in line whatsoever, but I did call them back and I took the position and and did the role of Mingo. And but what it took me back to, Rocky, my mother had a recording of Fritz Wunderlich in the house. And I used to listen to it as a kid. And I love that sound. And I'm what I call myself a PBS kid. I was, you know, really spoiled, but, you know, I wanted my mom's attention all the time. And if I didn't get my mom's attention, I want my dad's attention. If I couldn't get both of those, I bothered my brother. And so they were like, (laughs) do something with this kid. We got to do something with this kid. I was the youngest too,
0: so I understand. (laughs) Okay, you get
2: it.
4: So they were like, we got to put this kid, give him something, you know. So they put me in front of the TV and I would love PBS where you actually saw a live stage production, mm-hmm. live dance production. That's when they also yeah. had opera mm-hmm. full productions yes. on PBS. Yeah, And I was just, I was like, I like this sound. So I would ask my mom, can you play that album? And I have the album, my mother's since gone on, but I have that blue album to this day of fritz Mm -hmm. von and i listened to it you know every now and then because i still have like a phono player but every now and then i would still play that and so to me that really was my introduction to opera but it wasn't until i uh you know i had two introductions when i was in high school my chorus teacher i wanted to sing all the r&b just like everybody else
2: and Mm -hmm. voice
4: you know all the stuff that was out and he kept telling me his name was robert howard from philadelphia he said you may like this over here meaning r&b and gospel he said but your voice lends to this sound over here which was more of a classical sound and i was kind of like even though i liked it it's not what i thought i'd could do or wanted to do Mm -hmm. but the more I sang I gave in and I said this this is it and yet and still I still didn't do that right off the bat. I did Smokey Joe's Cafe. (laughs) I went on the international (laughs) tour on Smokey Joe's Cafe I'll do a musical theater and did that show and loved it for two years. But when I came back I said okay that's it. I said that's it. I called my old teacher I called Ben Matthews and Wayne Saunders because I knew of a few people still in the business. Called my old friends who had already done the Young Artist Program, who had won scholarships, who were already on stage. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And he's like, really? Now? And I was like, yeah, I think so. (laughs) So I just started. I studied. I studied. I went back and studied on my own got Houston Grand Opera, and then people started calling me just from that one party and best. We went to the uh, Paris Bastille. And I didn't come back and do auditions for opera companies. They honestly, and this is not in a uh, vain way, they heard my name. Someone liked something that they heard on the stage and they started calling me. And my calendar was open. (laughs) And so I just started doing about two to three years of straight porgy and best. I was not home. I was in Germany at least four or five times that year, Italy, at least about six or seven times. And then with other opera companies. And when I came off of that is when I said, I'm going to get me a serious teacher. I'm going to get a coach. The New York City Opera happened in 2002, and I got to do 2000, excuse me. I covered Sport and Life, but I had already done quite a few Sport and lights with other companies. But I covered them. and then the next year, two years later, I did it with New York City Opera in 2002. And then people just started calling me, other opera companies. The New York City Opera said to me, in the middle of my performance, God bless him. Paul Kellogg, who was then the uh, director, general director of New York City Opera, Robin Thompson was the artistic director, came to my room, my dressing room. This is in the middle of the show. He said, we want you to do a stage audition for us. I was like, wow, great. Thank you. I will. Be back in contact with you tomorrow. Because right now I'm thinking, uh, I gotta go do there's a boat later on in this opera. And I gotta make sure this B flat is where it needs to be. <laughs> I'm not trying to talk to you <laughs> right, right now. I'm resting my voice. I'm in the I'm in there steaming. Get out of here. But um I did this. I called them the next day. Mama didn't raise no fool, and I was in vain. I said, thank you, but no thanks. I said, I would love to come back in maybe six months and I will do a stage audition for you. Because honestly, guys, I knew I had not been, you know, really studying to have my five arias together, to have my language together. I knew Mm -hmm. that on the inside and I was honest with myself. So I said, can I come back in six months? When I told other colleagues about that in Friends, they was like, Are you crazy? They're never gonna call you back. You should have just took it. You should obviously they like something, you should have just went with it. But it didn't feel right in my spirit. And what I did was those six months, I studied like a dog. I got my languages together, called old coaches, called some diction teachers, came back, did New York City opera, got the audition. And from then on, got an agent and went on, just went on. Other companies started calling me, had an agent. They started calling my agent, but I didn't have an agent, believe it or not, all the way up to the Met. Wow. I do not recommend that for everyone. It just happened to me that way. I did a lot through God prayer the work begets work yeah and when I got my contract at the Met I then went to an agent because I didn't want to negotiate that myself even though I had already been with Indianapolis Opera Company Philadelphia Colorado Opera some international companies all that kind of stuff like that I said "I, I don't think I can negotiate a Met contract on my own, I probably shouldn't negotiate the other ones on my own, but you know that was passed. And I then got an agent, and from there on, it started to really flourish. But it was flourishing before then, by the grace of God. And um, that's my personal career, you know. It and as time has gone on, you know, things started to. I, I don't know if I want to use the word slow down, but maybe that's the best word to use and I'm okay with that word. Uh, and that's for various reasons. My agent and I, and I'm I just gotta say this, the truth. My agent and I did not end in good terms. The agent I ended up with, because I had several agents before, a couple, you know, before this last agent. And It was not good. It was not good. Oh, you know, lies were told, you know, and uh, I said, "Mm, my spirit is not right with you. And obviously you don't, you have no more interest in me. You're not sending me out. You're saying things that are not true, you know, and you're now I'm going around disparaging my name with other companies is already challenging enough for African-American singers. And I don't understand if I'm no longer with you, right? This isn't a relationship because you got to have a good relationship with your agent. And we did do some great things together. But when it starts to sour, when you start to lie and this is, you know, you're hearing my story. So I'm an honest person and I'm a fair person. So you can only take it from my story for now. If you want to hear somebody else's side of the story, then you go to that person. But I'm going to tell the truth. When you start to lie, when you start to ignore, when you start to, um, you know, show your tail, it's time to get out. And that's in any relationship. It's time to get out. But then there's no need to blackball or say something like, this has always gotten me throughout the years when people say, well, if you don't do this, I'll make sure you work nowhere else. Why is that? I'm not asking you guys. But Mm -hmm. why is that? Mm -hmm. As long as I'm no longer doing anything with you isn't that what you want for me no longer to have a relationship with you? Why did you have to make it so that I have a relationship? I don't have a relationship with anyone else. What is that about throwing your power being an okay. adult with a temper tantrum? Cause that's what I call an adult temper tantrum. Cause mm-hmm. that's what, that's what that is. That's just being a child really because I have no relationship with you. You move on. I move on, but you know, I live in peace. And that comes from God. So one monkey can't stop a show. That's that's the only way I look at it. You know, I may not be in the circle that you have power over. I may not be in that circle. The power that you have over that little corner, but you don't own the world. You understand? So, you know, my, just to lead into teaching, God said, step back, I have something else for you that's gonna make you grow even better as an artist, not even just as an educator, as an artist. And a friend of mine, Roberta Laws, amazing opera singer, called me and said, there's a position here at North Carolina Central University and they want a tenor. Once again, I don't have that. I, I can't do this. I didn't do that. And she said, just put your CV together. That, I thought my CV was going to be one page. That thing was three pages. You forget how much you have done just by having opera noir as a company. Now, artistic director, manager, auditioner. I mean... All the things that fell under that company, all the things that I learned just as an artist, where other companies called me to do master classes, I had even forgot. Yeah, I did do master classes just myself, not even under Opera Noir. So you, you know, long story short about that is that he led me into teaching and this has been one of the best things in my life these kids work my nerves um, <laughs> but, but it's, in, it's in a good it's in a good way cuz you know what i too was in that position mm-hmm. i too mm-hmm. did not understand what the 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 end goal that the teacher was trying to get me to i too was like Oh, long as I could just come in and sing and get my degree in music, because I'm going to go do something else. No, you still need this classical technique because it's going to help you do everything else. You need uh-huh. this education. And so now I'm instilling that in the kids. And I just, for the first time, had three seniors who graduated. And I put together three senior recitals. I can't believe it. Wow. But uh-huh. as I grew in that, you know, I was like, and they were singing at their recital. And I, I teared at each one of them. Each one of them, I'm like, there's my baby up there doing that. Still doing something wrong, but that's my baby. <laughs> yeah. you know, they didn't have it all together. They did <laughs> oh. But they didn't do what they were doing as freshmen. They mm-hmm. didn't do what they were doing as sophomores. They didn't do what they were doing as juniors. You understand? So the mm. growth was there. And when you see that growth in front of your eyes, that's, it, it's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. And then mm-hmm. I still get to perform because I, the school wanted a performing teacher. So how could I be sour? How could I be upset by the slow, if you will, work? I am getting the both of the, the best of both worlds right now. Teaching, learning, and still performing. You can't beat it. Yeah. And companies are still calling, so I appreciate that. Anytime a company yeah. calls me and says, Hey Robert, can you sing here? I am humbled. I am honored. I am pleased. And if I can do it, I'm gonna do it. You know, and I think that comes from my mom. My mom inspired me a lot musically she she really did because she just went out and did it somebody called her she's like, sure, I got these kids at home but yeah their father at home, I'm gonna go do it and she just did it and you know I get that that type of inspiration I get from her. Of course I had artists, you know, other professional, people in the business that inspired me, you know, like, of course, Leontine Price, oh my God, that voice was, you know, amazing. Then it was Kathleen Battle who had this, you know, the clarity in that sound, I'm sorry, I I, I don't care who's out there, the clarity (laughs) in Kathleen Battle's voice, if you heard it live, it's what you heard on the recording. I am not kidding, if you heard the recording, you heard her and heard her live. Back then, you couldn't beat that. And then I also was inspired by, I have several people like Jesse Norman who gave you a wall of sound with this perfect diction. If you missed a word that, I don't care (laughs) what language, if you missed a word that Jesse Norman was singing, you weren't listening. Because she gave you the picture <laughs> persona I kid you not. And like I said, you know, Fritz Vundlich, which was the first operatic voice I heard in my parents' home, that voice was creamy. It was luscious. Mm-hmm. I was like, the beauty of that sound is just, oh, it is unmatchable to me. But one of my favorite, one of my favorites to this day is Nikolai Gedda. Who can do it all? Who had high notes untold? Who executed with passion? Who had pianissimos like Montserrat Cavalier And to me, I don't know anyone who could bring their voice down like Montserrat Cavalier and that voice still carry and pearl at the end of it. Nikolai Gedda had that for me. And of course, you know, there's George Shirley, you know, having a tenor, first bill tenor at the Met. You can't help but be inspired by that. And I've gotten to work with him. I've gotten to talk to him. I've gotten to get advice from him. You know, that, those are the type of things that carry you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, inspiration mm-hmm. carries mm-hmm. you. And you know, even Pavarotti, you know, just listening to that Gorgeous instrument, you know, those are the people who really I was inspired by professionally. And then on the other end, uh Willie Anthony Waters, who was like I mentioned him earlier, seeing someone in that position, that's very inspirational. Not knowing I would travel somewhat in that position. So the conversations I had with this man, you know, on a personal level about his job came to inform me later in life never knew it would never knew it would so I've had a lot of great uh,
3: inspirations in life if you will Beautiful. Yeah. this really like <laughs> really full really full circle I, I I was getting a little misty at a couple moments and uh um, <laughs> especially well especially when you were Earlier, you were talking about the support, especially the really direct support that you've given people with opera noir and just that, that call that you can make, that direct connection as a young artist is someone who like moved far from home and you know went to college and was navigating the theater world like and and being broke and or needing to find an apartment and <laughs> you better you know, needing know. to stay <laughs> needing to stay with somebody for a couple weeks as I moved to a new city like I was getting misty because I was like wow that was the stuff that mattered and that was the stuff that it the things that don't go recorded on on someone's um, annual report, <laughs> the things that don't go right. recorded on <laughs> right. on the grant that really made me feel like, oh, whew, maybe I can make it. <laughs> like because I yeah. have someone who's helping just... me with this, and so I want to ask you, like as we as we wrap up, what do you think that companies, that the industry, that that people who are in our position uh, can be doing to better support, um, artists like yourself, young black artists, any black artists across the, across the spectrum, really, what do you think are, are really the changes or the kind of support that we need to, um, need to be giving to, to really elevate, you know, elevate folks, our folks in this? Yeah, community?
4: yeah, I mean, there's so many areas to cover with that, Um, and I'll try to be brief. One, I just wanna mention this about Opera Ebony. Wayne Saunders, I went to Wayne Saunders for coaching when I first got New York City Opera. Every week, left a check on his piano. To this day, now this is way back in 2002. Checks never cashed, never. That's how, you understand what I'm saying? People poured into me. So when you you just said the word support, I was lucky. I was graced with Mm -hmm. support from family, from outsiders, from people who saw something. So when Mm -hmm. I see something, I act on it, thus being opera noir. Thus being, how can I tell another young kid, this will go into your question, there's more to opera. When I do masterclasses, I tell people, there's more to opera than being on that stage. You can be on the stage as the general director. You can be on the stage as a board member. You can be on the stage as an artistic director. You can be on the stage as a teacher. You can be on that stage as one of the stage crew. You can be on that stage as a, you know, uh someone who's sitting in the auditions. We need to be everywhere in the business. So my thing is to encourage people to now. Don't just go to school as a performing artist. Look for the other positions. There's Mm -hmm. engineering, Mm -hmm. there's artists and development, there's artist management. I mean, yes, of course. I don't know if I would have went for anything else but performance. That was my passion. It just truly was. But I encourage singers, you know. Go to school for communication, become a writer, write that next bit, uh, Marriage of Figaro, if you will. Like for example, (laughs) now you have people like Will Lieberman, who's now written an opera that's gonna be performed. That's amazing. You have people like uh, Rhiannon Giddens, who's now written an (laughs) opera about blacks that's gonna be performed at a major opera company. And she's a performer, both of them are performers. I mean, you have, uh, what, Fire Shut Up In My Bones, written by the journalist um, Charles Blow, right? Yeah, Charles Blow. You have um, Champion, which is now gonna be done at all these different opera companies now. So become, my thing is to start encouraging people to become writers, become the brothers, become, mm-hmm. like I said, that stage manager. Become that director. You have a few out there, but we don't have an abundance. So I guess being as an educator, my my focus has now become informer and educator. So, yeah, I want to see more young artists on the stage. That's where opera noir comes in with that giving them an opportunity, giving them a platform. That's what Op Noir does. So I would say as many people who has the ideal of, I think I can change that to, I know I can. So that you can now, if anyone's listening out there and you think that you can direct, go ahead and direct. If you Mm -hmm. think you can manage, go ahead and manage. If you think you're that performer with all the passion, go ahead and perform, but let no one tell you no. I would love to see more opera companies. I mean, since Willie Anthony Waters, I don't think there's been any other artistic director of a, you know, bigger opera company on that level. You know, like a San Francisco, a LA Opera, um, uh, the Met. Let's start positioning ourselves to running those companies. We could be a Gelb. We could be, you know, runners. We could be a Placido Domingo become a sing. you know, have this whole singing career and now run a company. Why why can't we? Others have done it. So we. I want to see more of us do it and we can. So my thing is to let people know we don't have enough out there yet. We don't have enough out there yet. Let's flourish the world. And I use the word flourish. Let's flourish the world with our culture, because this is a multicultural world. It can't be just one story, because look at it like this. Mm -hmm. If if only let's say another culture, because I don't want to be specific. Not out of fear out of is not necessary. If only one culture is deciding who, when, where, and what, is that global? I don't think so. We live in a global world. You better learn Spanish if you're living in New York. If you live, <laughs> you better learn some other language. This is a global world. You may need to pick up some Mandarin. It's a global <laughs> world. So let's be global and move forward. Many, I think many other companies, countries move forward between, before the United States. Often I think, I love the United mm-hmm. States, but often I think we're behind the eight ball because we have these traditions. We're too stuck in being traditionalist. That's a whole another thing. We'll get into politics that, that, and y'all don't want that with me because they might cancel <laughs> your your, your uh, podcast. So you don't want that. But but <laughs> well, we've got to really start thinking globally. I agree. You know, we need more people at LA Opera in higher positions. San Francisco Opera, Chicago Lyric. It is nice that. Black Lives Matter came around, and I don't say that lightly, because we got to be honest. It didn't, to me, it didn't seem like, because we have a resurgence of Blacks in opera now on the stages. That's just a fact. You know, these companies are now putting on these opera uh, comp, uh, stories that about Blacks. And through that, some are getting other roles at those companies because you got to work it while you're there. Mm. And that's how I always worked it. If you're going to hire me for Porgy and Best, I need to know that I can come do your your, uh, Dona Tavio, or I need to know that Mm -hmm. I can come do whatever other roles that you have there. That's on you to work that, you the individual artist, and then have your agent do the real work. But you got to have that inside you, you know, that I'm not just... Um, the black companies, I mean, the black productions that you put on. It's nice that you're doing it, and I hope it lasts. I don't know the future, guys. I hope it, I I don't want it to be that we having a resurgence of black artists. We're having a, we're now putting on black productions. We do have to start there, but I want it to be at a point where There's always some African-American production in these major companies' repertoire because the music and the storyline needs to be heard and it's good enough and it should be in your regular cycle. Like, it took a while for Porgy and Bess to... I don't know if all the companies still have Porgy and Bess in their regular cycle now. That's only happened in the last few years. But you sure got Mozart, Tusca. Um, Madame Butterfly, every year for how many years? Come on, every year. Porgy and Best wasn't at an ivory opera company like that. And if you're gonna sing Porgy and Best, if you know anything about the music, you're singing Wagner, you're singing some other stuff up in there, you gotta have the voice to sing Porgy and Best. And so if you think I'm good enough for boy and Bess, you must know that I can sing. You got to have somebody who can sing Tosca, because Bess ain't no joke, vocally. Uh, Serena is no mm-hmm. joke, vocally. And actually, Sporting Life, if you sing it right, is no joke, vocally. So if I'm good enough to do that, I'm good enough to do your Alfredo. I'm good enough to do some of your other stuff. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Yeah. So I wanna see us in all those positions, all of them, but we gotta get on the board. Now, let me not ask you a question, but some of that starts with, uh, I'm gonna leave it with this. We have to tell the young people coming up before they get in the business, We got to be in the high schools, letting people know that all these positions exist. We got to not just talk about singing. It got to be more than singing. We got to talk about directing. We got to talk about managing. We got to talk about coaching. We got to talk about, hey, being a pianist. We do not have enough African-American pianists out here who can do it all. We have a few, Joseph Joubert, Kevin Miller, uh, Victor Simonson, if you guys know those names, Jordan. What is that guy's last name? We have a few out there. But do you know how many opera companies need uh, coaches who can play through that repertoire? I'm not one to get on that piano like that. It's too (laughs) late for me. But I I can tell someone coming up. I could go to a junior high school and talk to some kids. That's what we need to be doing as, that's what we all need to be doing. Because your question was that, what can we do? What can our organizations do? Organizations need to go back all the way down to the grade level and start telling our people what's possibilities.
1: You you know, um, Robert, Mr. Mack, Professor, that's, Robert. <laughs> that's part of why we wanted you here today, because I, I think your ability, given where you are in your career and everything that you've done to be able to convey that message, not just for the younger folks who need to hear it, but also for our counterparts who have these administrative roles at other companies to be able to hear from somebody like you. This is also the investment, right? This is also what's important, and I feel like this conversation has been amazing because it's been part um, lesson, you know, part history, part um, you know interesting, beautiful stories, and then also these reminders of like, this is why it's important for us to say so connected to the younger generations and to each other in the work we're doing as as singular as being a performer sometimes feels right like we we do need these bigger connections. Um, I wanted to make sure that we also got in because I know we're getting to the end of our time together. Could you say a little bit if you have anything upcoming that you want to share or things that you want us to make sure that we look into so that we can follow things that you're doing as well.
4: Yes. Actually, me personally, I'm getting ready to do a performance on December 9th with Greensboro Opera, a concert. I can't even think of the name of the place it's going to be, but it's not at the Opera Company, but it is with Greensboro Opera. So I can tell you that that's December 9th. And then Opera Noir is doing a performance in South Carolina with the... uh, uh, African American Alliance out there. And that is January 15th. We're doing an MLK celebration. Very excited about that. So um, those are the two things that I have immediately coming up. One, my personal, and then one, the company. I think that's a good way to leave it, yeah. And mm-hmm. then I'm always, uh, I'm always I'm always I'm always talking. You wouldn't believe the calls I get. I get a lot of calls from people just graduated high school, people in college, people have other companies, you know, I'm daily, you know, filtering calls and talking to people about the business. So having this on, in this type of platform was just home for me. I really appreciate you guys thinking of me, asking me, honestly, I didn't just say it in the beginning to be saying that I am humbled. I am honored because you didn't have to call me. You know, there are a lot of people out there. So I appreciate it.
1: Well, we are honored to have you here. You are a a font of knowledge as well as being um, just a really beautiful person. And I will also share, this is a beautiful circle for me because I was um, in the audience of that New York City Opera, Porgy and Bess in 2001 to 2002 when I was in college and I remember it well. And it was the first time that I had actually seen, it was the first time I'd seen Porgy, but it was also the first time I'd ever seen a whole bunch of black people on stage outside of the theater. And it meant a lot to me at, at the time as a person trying to figure out if this was the career I wanted to follow. So thank you for everything that you've done Um, in your career and, and continue to do. I know your students' lives are enriched by your experiences. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you
4: so much. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. And we'll be right back after this.
0: And we are back. Thank you so much to Robert Mack for being with us once again. Uh, Lee had to step out so it is just me and Yawo Um, but no matter I mean of course
3: no it's okay it's okay
0: Because it is time for our favorite segment. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four.
3: It's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Peanut butter jelly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you put your whole chest into that one. I like I felt that one. (laughs) Yeah,
3: you know, I'm 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 in my bag today. I'm in a good mood. So I
0: like it. Yes, it is pure black joy. It is the segment where we talk about all of the black people, places, things, art that is making us happy this week. And Mm. I mean I know you have several, so I'll just start with my one little one. Um, which is that uh SZA just dropped a new album and I can't wait to listen to it. Cause what? Yes, absolutely.
3: <laughs> I was I saw that on my Spotify with like, let me go to Certix and grab a bottle of wine, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. Like she's just she's just a dream. A dream. Uh. I just and I I just I haven't been able to listen to it yet but I cannot wait and that is what my weekend is going to be so that's my pure black joy shout out to SZA um all of the reviews that I've read so far from mostly gay people on Twitter um indicate that you have done that so I cannot yes.
3: wait oh I can't wait <laughs> mm-hmm. also I love SZA I feel like SZA has been a soundtrack to my twenties
2: mm. and that
3: is very much just what her music gives. Mm-hmm. I found out about her when I was like 19, she performed mm-hmm. at Howard homecoming. Oh, okay. Just had an EP out. Maybe she had just re- released her first album. Like she hadn't been popping like that yet. Well, no, she was popping. She was popping, but she hadn't made it super mainstream.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so she's just released like the best Emo black girl music, it's so throughout good. my 20s, it's been so good. Like, and now she's also an initiate of the Orisha, a devotee. Oh, I didn't
0: know that,
3: yes. So, we're uh spiritual sisters in that sense. Oh, that's okay. why she has all that water in the background of her promo right now. I see because she is a child of the water deity, the Yoruba water deity, Yamonja. Um, and she just started being open about it and about her journey her spiritual life, you know. Um, no, I did not know that. Right? Okay. Right?
0: <laughs> well, no, because I'm just going <laughs> to, I mean, like, we talked a few months ago about my love for Fiona Apple and just sort of emo, yeah. emo girlies of my youth. And she just speaks to that. She just opens up my little 16-year-old inner teen and just... Oh. I get to just hug him, and we just get to have a moment SZA. together, and it's just, yeah, she's amazing. So, shout out to SZA.
3: <laughs> yes, shout out. Well, my pure black joy. Uh, first of all, Anita Baker is going on tour. No, oh so. yes. Tell yeah yeah, get your tickets. Tell your mama. Oh, tell I'm your aunties. My tell your cousins. cousins.
0: Uh, exactly. Uh,
2: <laughs> yes. <We can't> <laughs> oh,
3: all see how we feel?
0: <laughs> I wish I could see Lee's face. When he listens to this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So uh, get your
3: your Anita tickets. Get your Anita tickets. Okay. I know it's going to be good. Um, Furthermore, Jill Scott is going on tour. Not only is she going on tour, it is for the anniversary of her... uh, uh, How how do I say it? The the phenomenal... The... The... uh, I don't even know how to say it. It is sublime. Uh, who is Jill Scott? Words and mm, Sounds, okay. Volume 1. J-I-L-S-E-O-T-T. T-T. You know, you know.
2: Yeah. No, know, you know.
3: So get your Jilly from Philly tickets. I'm excited for that, too. That makes me so excited. But also my last, like for real, pure black joy is Lizzo at mm. um, the I want to say it was a People's Choice mm-hmm. Awards, and her beautiful, beautiful acceptance speech uh, for the award that she won. And the thing I love about Lizzo is she is such a light. She is such a light, and not only she's such a light, but she understands the shining her light on other people. Makes her light brighter. So if you didn't mm. see it, she invited a bunch of people, women, non-binary, and trans folks who she admires uh up on stage with her and made highlighting them basically her acceptance speech. Like, mm. like, yay, I'm here. Thank you. And here are all these people that <laughs> I like. And she brought out like, I don't know, like 10, 15. People and said like just a quick bit just about them and their work and and even just the way she introduced each one just felt like joyful and affirming and
2: um, like
3: that's uh, wonderful. It was, it was so beautiful. It was so freaking cool. And Lizzo is just I could make her. She's always popping. I could make her my pure black joy every week. Is she right? really. I because mean, it seems like she, she kind of is every week. Joy in the world. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she just out to is Lynn.
3: constantly spreading joy in the world. So. She is. She's yeah. just a
0: light. She is.
3: Shout out to her again.
0: Absolutely. Well, shout out to all of those incredible Black women that we just mentioned. Um, once again, just want to wish everyone out there um, a happy holiday season, whatever it is that you are celebrating, or if you're not celebrating anything and you're just <laughs> taking some time to just chill out and, and rest and heal your body and your spirit before we enter this rat race again. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope everyone out there Has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful next couple of weeks. Um, We are going to be back in two weeks with, well, I guess technically we won't be back back, but we will have our best of 2022 (laughs) episode. We get to have some time off as well. Um, And then we will be back with some fresh episodes in the new year. Um, The first one I'm super excited about, um, Ginger Klee is going to be with us. Um, Ginger is a licensed professional counselor um who um we got to interact with um during art equities um surviving predominantly white spaces um uh, session in 2020 and uh she has so many wonderful things to say about a culture of stress and surviving Predominantly white institutions and ways that we can heal after the pandemic. And I think perhaps we might all need that as we head back into our offices and back into the world. Um, so I'm super excited for that conversation and hope you all will stick with us through the new year to hear that. Um, but other than that, I think we've reached the end of the show. So subscribe. Write a review, leave us some stars, five, preferably, please. Cinco. Five.
2: All five. Not playing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, tell your friends about us. And um I think that's everything. Any words of wisdom? Mm
3: don't go chasing waterfalls okay please stick to the please. rivers and the lakes that you're used please to. i just want to continue the singing thing you know? <laughs> it's
0: yeah. a beautiful thing we should sing more often
3: <laughs> you know we're all musical people i don't know yeah. why we don't be singing on here yeah
0: i don't know i mean even with this cold i feel like i did that Anita need justice
3: I mean, I, you did.
0: You, you did. Thank you. you did. Anyway. It was in key.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was
0: in key. Okay. Shade. In tune. <laughs> shame Anyway, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, my shady co host. <laughs> Farewell. Have a poly jolly Christmas. <laughs>